The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Merry Christmas. Well, I have a question for you about Christmas carols. Hi, Alex McFarland, Bert Harper here. It's just great to be with you. This is Exploring the Word, and we wish everyone a very, very joyous, Jesus-filled Merry Christmas. But Bert, you know I love Christmas songs, and you and I, we talk a fair amount about music. So here's my question. Songs like Joy to the World, uh, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, O Holy Night, uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, It Came Upon a Midnight Clear. Do you know what those songs have in common? <laughs> I can't wait. I know they're about Christmas, but you better, uh, I, I know you and your musicianship. Uh, when the Lord was giving out talents and it came to music, He, I, I think I was absent that day, Alex, and didn't get any. But nah, I sure do appreciate wish, it. But I can't wait to find it. What is it? What do they have in common? Well, all of those songs, and there are many more I could quote, but these great hymn, you know, Christmas hymns, in one way or another, the lyrics all quote or reference Isaiah. Okay. Wow. Now, you know, it's been said you, you, you find Jesus on every page of Scripture. You really do. But you and I have taught through the Old Testament prophets uh, uh, a couple of times, a couple of ways. You and I have taught through the prophets. One of the ones that's called a major prophet is Isaiah. Um, Isaiah, there's so much we could say about this 66-chapter book within the Old Testament. But Isaiah has much to say about what we would later come to call Christmas, the birth of the Messiah, doesn't he? It really does. And talking about Isaiah, it just hit me. You know, Isaiah was, quote, in a way bigger than life. I mean, his his influence, uh, you know, his working with kings— and I just thought, and, and and I don't mean to be disrespectful anyway, he was kind of the Billy Graham of his day. I was, it, you know, I was just going to say that, Bert. He, he really did. You know, he, he was with a common man and was at home with them, but he was at home with the kings. But he always spoke the me- same message no matter where he was. Mm. That was Isaiah as well, yeah, like and- we talk about Billy Graham. You know, if all those Old Testament prophets were like mountain peaks, uh, the book of Isaiah is kind of like the Mount Everest, or, you know, it is. not to diminish any of the others, but there, there's a, a panoramic view of, you know, the nations would rejoice and the, the light to the Gentiles and the Redeemer of Zion has come to the world and the the islands will hear the good news and rejoice. I mean, Isaiah has so much to say. And in a way, and again, he was some 700 to 750 years before the birth of Christ. You know, we get these these incredible, I mean, th- these are some of the most beautiful, cherished, pondered words the human race has ever heard. And there's a certain poetry to Isaiah, but like Isaiah 9, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, these are all uh, titles that we routinely attribute to the Lord Jesus, the Prince of Peace. 
of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will perform this. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. Uh, Isaiah is like the, the Billy Graham of the Old Testament. Um, he Well, he's a prophet, and he proclaims truth. That's what great prophets do. Let's look at those descriptions in verse 6 a little bit. Always, you know, wonderful, counselor, separate. This is one of those that can be either together or separate. He is wonderful on his own. He's counselor on his own. But together, he's a wonderful counselor. Now, again, the comma is placed there because it wasn't there in the Hebrew language. But he is wonderful. And uh, again, this is not a Christmas song, but it well could be. Uh, his name is wonderful, you know, and, and that's the whole idea. This Jesus, my Lord, and his counselor, he is a wonderful counselor. There's no counselor like him. He's the mighty God. Alex, he's the God of all gods. It says Jesus is the Lord of lords, the King of kings. He is the mighty God. All things are in his hands, the everlasting Father. Now, that really hits me, everlasting Father. You remember it says he's a father to the fatherless, and he is there. When no one else is there, he is there upholding us by his right hand, and he is the Prince of Peace. And it says this is the child that is born. Mm. And uh, so we praise the Lord for this wonderful description that Isaiah gives Again, 800 years before Jesus' birth. And, and so, Alex, when we go over this and we see that, uh, it it's, uh, isn't magnificent. It brings a, a kingship to it, you know, uh, uh, mm-hmm. worship. It, it, it sounds higher and more, more powerful than, than you can even describe when, when Isaiah describes and gives these names to the Lord Jesus. Well, Christmas is the greatest story, and Isaiah gives these names, these these titles, Wonderful Counselor, the Everlasting Father, the Mighty God. And, you know, Jesus is all those things and more. Um, G.K. Chesterton said that Jesus is the exegesis of all things. Now, in, if you're studying the Bible, the word exegesis means to bring out the meaning, to, you know, get what the Scripture is really saying. To ex is a prefix. Prefix It means to bring out. And uh, G.K. Chesterton, 100 years ago, uh, you know, he said, look, the key to understanding everything is Jesus. Now, forgiveness, it's in Christ who paid our sin debt on the cross. Uh, getting through life, it's Jesus who is the friend who sticks with us closer than a brother. But, Bert, I would submit to you, apart from the birth of Christ, history would make no sense. I mean, all we could say, if if there were no Jesus, if there had not been Bethlehem and the manger and the coming of God onto the stage of human history, if that had not happened, the most we could say is, well, a whole bunch of stuff happened for thousands of years. We would say that. We'd say, man, look what God has created But in Jesus Christ coming, we see redemption. And again, Hmm. let me just say, it didn't take long for us to cover creation in the book of Genesis. Hmm. I mean, God did. He created. It doesn't take long for us to see the fall that Adam sinned and Eve sinned. 
But the rest of the book is about the redemption of man. We're, we're looking at, and you can see 66 books and the redemption that God brings. And that's what Isaiah said. And notice this, this wonderful counselor, every one of those has the idea of redemption. If you think about it, Alex, he's mm-hmm. a wonderful counselor. He redeems. He's the mighty God. He's able. He's the everlasting father that cares. He's the prince of peace that comes <clears throat> and brings this. And notice it starts out in verse 6, unto us a child is born. Right before this chapter, excuse me, is chapter 7, of course. Listen to verses 14, 15, and 16, because I think they kind of go along with this. Notice the terminology. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Curds and honey he shall eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that you dread will be forsaken by both her kings. Now, Alex, in this we see a lot of things, but we want to concentrate on this. A virgin shall conceive Mary, the handmaiden of the Lord, who who would say, let this be done as you have said. She didn't question it. She did say, how are you going to do it? You know, mm-hmm. how can this be? See that I know not a man. And, and the the angel would say, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and, and you shall conceive and bring forth a child. This is the incarnation. This is God coming to us. And you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. This is Isaiah speaking again 800 years before. And and again, I know it's unusual, but it's kind of just set aside here in this one chapter. And people that would say, oh, it's a made-up tale. Listen, no, Uh, 800 years, and yet when Jesus was born and then Matthew was writing it, Luke was writing it, they bring that into context of what happened in Christ Jesus Isaiah gives us the hope. The Gospels gives us the reality, doesn't it? Well said. Isaiah gives the hope. The Gospels give the reality. And, you know, this is an amazing thing. You you mentioned creation, and as wonderful and vast as it is, you know, even as we record this, I'm I'm staring at Pike's Peak, 14,110 feet above sea level. It's amazing. It's beautiful. And it's inspired a, a whole lot of things, not the least of which, you know, Catherine Lee Bates, when she was on Pike's Peak, wrote America the Beautiful, because you can look out there and see Nebraska and Iowa and all the amber waves of grain. But here's the thing. To make trees and mountains and the physical world, God spoke it into existence. Let there be. And it was. But to work out the plan of salvation, God got into it. Uh, felt the pain of those spikes on Calvary's cross. You know, Bert, I've, uh, more times than I could count, I've helped get up hay. Hay is scratchy. Hay will will poke you. You you rub a, a piece of rough hay the right way, it'll draw blood. And that little baby was laid on the hay of a manger. For your salvation, this is how much he loves us. He put his hands in the dough to work it out and knead the dough of history, so to speak. He didn't just say, okay, I'll speak, and they, they're forgiven. He fulfilled his law. He fulfilled his righteousness. He demonstrated his mercy. But he was willing 
to feel the pain that it was necessary so that we could be forgiven. Salvation, redemption, the Christmas story, it shows that God is a personal God who loves us beyond description. It really does. And you've heard it, and I've said it, and I don't know who the first person said it was, but to create, God had to speak. But for God to redeem, he had to die. Mm. And, and that, but before he died, he had to come. And that's the incarnation. And we are celebrating that. I hear people say, oh, you, you make too much of, of Christmas. You should all put it on Easter. Hey, we make much of both of them because they're so vital. You will not have one without the other. And so here it is, this virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Now, get the, I want to get this one in right before we go to break. And it's in Isaiah chapter 9 as well. And it's verse 2, Alex. It says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. This light, and John would make much of this. When John would write, he had three L's in the English language. Uh, he would talk about life, love, and light. Those three major, major components of his writing. But here, the light shines in the darkness. In that dark, dark night in Bethlehem, in a difficult time, the light came into the world, and that light would change the world forever, wouldn't it, Alex? Absolutely. Folks, you're listening to Exploring the Word with Alex and Bert. Wishing you a very Merry Christmas. Stay tuned. We're going to come back after this brief break and talk more about Isaiah and the Savior who was born. Merry Christmas from the American Family Radio Network. Stay tuned. Christmas. This is Bert and Alex and Exploring the Word, and we want to give you a very Merry Christmas from our producer as well, Devin Patrick, that Alex and I love working with. What a blessing it is. And Christmas time is a time to appreciate those people that that you work with, and and Devin is one of them. He's a blessing to us, and Alex and I both share that and know that. But we also just want to say praise the Lord for AFA and AFR. Alex, uh, what what an opportunity AFR has given us for us just to get on the radio, share the Word of God that Jesus Christ saves, and and what what an opportunity we have. And if, in your those of you who are listening today, we want to give you and wish you a Merry Christmas and say. What an opportunity you have to be able to hear the good news of Jesus Christ that he saves. Alex, Christmas, mm. uh, that's a great time for people to get right with the Lord, isn't it? Well, it is. And, and you know something I've come to appreciate just not only the, the honor, and it is a great honor to be able to do these radio programs, but how much it really means to people. And I'll tell you why I know that. Because, um, listen, it's gotten to where when I'm going through the Atlanta airport or the Dallas airport or maybe Charlotte, 
uh, you know, people flag me down and they'll they'll say, oh, my goodness, Alex McFarlane, I listen to you and Bird every day. You have no idea how much exploring the word has helped us. And listen, we give God the glory. We're not. <laughs> believe me, we're not talking about Alex and Bird and Devin and Jim. But um, this really is touching lives all around the world. I got more emails than I can handle. In fact, I've got a couple of volunteers and even some people I pay simply to help me keep up with the email from, you know, that people email in from listening to Exploring the Word. We give God the glory for that. And for those of you throughout the year, you pray for this ministry and you promote and, yes, you support. We're so grateful. We're so grateful because it's enabling us to present the scriptures. And I I will say this, and it's Christmas, we're talking about Jesus But in a world where people that plainly lay out the Word of God, uh, no spin, no watering down, we read the Bible, we explain the Bible, we stand for the Bible, that is kind of a rare thing these days. And I know I speak for Bert. We affirm and believe and know that the Bible and the Bible alone is the written Word of God. There's no Savior but the Savior, Jesus Christ. And God's Word says what it says, and it means what it says. And uh, we're going to... That, that's our story. We're sticking to it. We are. And, and the Bible makes it plain. It says, speak the truth in love. And and I, Alex's voice is a little softer than mine, and I know sometimes I get so excited. I was talking to someone the other day, and they said... Man, Bert, you kind of get excited, and I do. And when I get excited, sometimes I get loud. And uh, I know it's not the greatest uh, voice in the world, but I just want to tell you, Jesus Christ has changed my life. As a 12-year-old boy, Alex, Jesus changed my life. He can, If he can change a 12-year-old boy's life here in northeast Mississippi, he can change your life. I don't care where you are. You may be incarcerated and you're listening to this today because here you are. You're, you're a captive audience, and I'm not trying to be uh, fun with that, but you are. You, you have nothing else to do. You're listening to the radio today. You may be homebound. Uh, you may be on the road on on this day listening, and you'd rather be somewhere else. But I just want to tell you, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Paul said, of which I am chief. Now, I, I think we would argue with Paul concerning that yeah. because, you know, the I, this is the truth. The, the older I get, the longer I serve him, the more I'm amazed at his grace and love. And, and he loves you right where you are, way you are. And have you heard it, Alex? He loves you the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. Mm. He wants to come into our lives, and he wants to redirect our lives. He wants to refocus our lives. He wants to change our life. That's the reason when Jesus and Nicodemus was having their conversation, Jesus said, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. You, oh yeah. You need you need a new birth. You need a new start. So Alex on this this Christmas time we're talking, we're we're wanting people to have a direction that gives them hope, uh gives them blessing, and that only comes through relationship through Jesus Christ, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what Christmas is about giving gifts, right? How about you give God the gift of your heart? How about you receive the gift he's offering you? salvation you know christmas is about songs and rejoicing well 
we rejoice because Christ came. Hark. That means listen. Hark. The herald angels sing. What are they singing about? The coming of the Savior. You know, Christmas is about fellowship and family and friends. And that's a reference to the fact God's inviting you to the greatest celebration, the greatest coronation of all time. Look, we put a star on top of the tree in commemoration of the star that announced Jesus' birth. Uh, you crown the top of the tree. There's a crown, the King of Kings, and uh, we're going to get rewards. And just as we put the presents under the tree, we're going to cast our crowns before the feet of Jesus up in heaven. I mean, I, I think, Bert, the the imagery and the symbolism of Christmas is so riveting because deep in our soul, deep in our psyche, we know it speaks of some greater reality. I want to tell you, friends, the, the most real reality, the truest truth is that she wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger. There was no room for them in the inn. He was born in a stable to give you a mansion, and he was laid in a manger because he is the bread of life. I mean, on and on we could go, and Isaiah alludes to this, that virgin birth, that coming king, the light to the ends of the earth, and it's all in Christmas. And you know what? i got to say this too, Bert, that, I mean, it's just wonderful. The, the gospel is for everybody, rich man, poor man, male, female, the ancient world, the 21st century, everybody relates to Jesus. They really do, okay? But I think about Christmas. Uh, the scholars can ponder the mysteries of the Incarnation. Little bitty children can sing away in a manger in silent night. I mean, Christmas touches everybody if you let it, because Jesus is for everybody. He is, and... I, I just want you to know that's that's what the prophet Isaiah was saying uh, over and over again. He talks about the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. These are all titles of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he he said that that a virgin will conceive and bring forth a son. And that's that child is the Lord Jesus but he has predicted more that in in Isaiah chapter eleven. I want to be, read verses one and two. This is this is neat because what it does it goes back to the past of Isaiah and goes to the future of Christ. It says, "There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse." And this is, in other words, the stem of Jesse is King David, and the and and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Jesus, he's the branch. He is him. Now, verse 2, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Verse 2 again, Alex, I know this is jumping ahead a little bit, but still connected with his birth. When Jesus is baptized, the spirit of the Lord descended from heaven as a dove. The spot father spoke from heaven and said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Here mm. we find out Jesus Christ, Isaiah shows that he fulfills all prophecy, that Jesus is the one, he is the one and only that could occupy this place. At the birth of Christ, he was born king. He wasn't born to be king. He was born king. 
and the three wise men would come and worship him because he was of what? The lineage of David, mm-hmm. King David, and that is Christ Jesus. And that's why we celebrate this Christmas. It is true that Jesus is who he said he was, and he lived, and he he fulfilled all the prophecy that even Isaiah had enough besides all the other prophets, Alex. Oh, my word, yes. I mean, we could talk about so many of the others like Jeremiah and Micah, uh, but Isaiah, we're just kind of drilling down deeply and doing kind of a, as they would say, a deep dive on Isaiah right now. And, uh, you know, Bert, doesn't it amaze you that God, and and I don't know any other way to put this, God doesn't answer to anybody but himself. I mean, God doesn't have to prove anything to anybody. God doesn't have to, uh, you know, placate Satan or anything like that. And yet, uh, God fulfilled everything necessary for salvation, and he acted in accord with his nature— righteousness, justice, judgment, yet mercy. He fulfilled the law, and in being virgin-born, he had no sin nature. Jesus had no sin nature. That's why he was qualified to be the Messiah, the Redeemer. Now, fully God and yet fully man, two natures in one person. This We call this the incarnation. God enfleshed himself, and uh, that... Uh, verse in Isaiah 7.14. It's led, you know, in uh, the song Silent Night, round yon virgin mother and child. In other words, there in the presence of that delivery is deity and yet humanity. It's just amazing. Um, it's do you it's know? really beyond description. Let's, let, well, let's is, dwell yeah. down there just a second. Yeah. It is this this virgin born son of God again, God, man, in one, not 50-50. It, it is beyond description. You say 100% and 100%, that's 200%, that's impossible. That's what we're saying. Without God, it would be impossible, but with God, it is possible. And it is, as as John would say in John one fourteen, and the Word became flesh and dwelt yes. among us. And And so, Alex, we have in him... This, because of his humanity, we could say we have a friend. We have someone that identifies with us, overcoming the temptation, no sin in his life, the perfect sacrifice. So this virgin-born son of God is is the very important. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. And again, that's beyond our understanding and knowledge, but it is truth. And so we bank on that. We share that with you. And you say, well, I can't understand it. I, it's beyond me, that I, so I won't believe it. Listen, it should drive you to him because <laughs> uh, there's a lot of things that you don't understand. There's a lot of things in life that, that is uh, incomprehensible. But this, the virgin-born Son of God, Jesus Christ, came to set us free. And so, Alex, it says those he makes free are free indeed. We're free to be all that God wants us to be on this Christmas season. What an opportunity it is as we dive in to see what Isaiah said, that this light shone in the darkness. And guess what? Light overcame the darkness. When Mm -hmm. Jesus was on the cross and he died, 
I, I heard someone say, De- the devil said, yes, I've done it. But three days later, what? He overcame everything that sin or the devil could put upon him. He is our living Redeemer, isn't he? He really is. He really is. Um, let me share this about the fulfillment of prophecies. And Jesus, you know, from Bethlehem's manger through the parables, the Sermon on the Mount to Calvary's cross to the resurrection. I mean, Jesus was fulfilling these Old Testament prophecies. Uh, there was a man, Josh McDowell often quotes a man named Peter Stoner, who was a mathematics chair at uh, Pasadena College in California years ago. And he, Peter Stoner, looked, this was some years ago, but he was a math chair at a university. He looked at only eight prophecies about Jesus. And he came up to this mathematical number that the idea that anybody could fulfill all eight prophecies was one out of 10 to the 17th power. And he basically said this, it's a rather famous illustration, but uh, Dr. Stoner said, imagine the state of Texas being covered three feet deep in silver dollars, and there, there's one that's painted red. And blindfold a man, let him travel anywhere across the hundreds of miles of Texas. You've got one opportunity to reach in and pick out the, the correct silver dollar painted red. You would have a better chance at doing that than for one person to accidentally, you know, masquerade as having fulfilled the prophecies or something like that. And his point in that. Dr. Stoner was saying that it's a mathematical impossibility that Jesus wasn't the Savior. Born in Bethlehem, Son of God, spoke in parables, confounded the wise, opened the blind eyes, made the deaf to hear, the lame to walk. He was, and of course Isaiah, and we've not even gotten to Isaiah 53 yet, but was, you know, accused, was beaten, was bloodied, beard ripped out, nailed to the cross, the the wrath of God and the atonement that we needed fulfilled in him. Jesus made every prophecy on the punch list. He's real, isn't he, Bert? <laughs> he is. And, and just think of that. And these prophecies were given hundreds of years before he was born. And again, if someone tried to write this, now we're talking about four of the gospel writers, we're talking about several of the prophets, but all of them came fulfilled in Christ. I hope he's filling your life with hope this day on Christmas and that you are loving and loving him and glorifying him forever. We'll be right back with more here on Exploring the Word. have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness a light has dawned isaiah 9 1 and 2 and just like the song silent night the savior is born the prophet isaiah seven and a half to eight centuries before the birth of jesus the the one they call the saint paul of the old testament 
Isaiah predicted and prophesied the coming of Christ. We uh, come back to Exploring the Word. Bert Harper, Alex McFarlane, uh, from our families to yours, from the staff of the American Family Radio Network, we just want to say that we thank God for you and we wish you a very, very wonderful Christmas time as we all turn our hearts and reflect on Jesus. Hey, Bert, uh, Isaiah was the uh, kind of the St. Paul of the Old Testament. I've I've heard one commentator said he was the Shakespeare of the prophets. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, what you do in reading Isaiah, poetry, history, uh, just magnificently a story, to, you know, a novel, all of it combined in Isaiah's writing. It's the miniature Bible, 66 chapters. There's 66 books. And it, it's divided like that. When you read the first 39 and then you go to the 27, there's a, a little mark of difference in, in what is talked about and where it goes. And so Isaiah was just a, God, a man that God used. And uh, he said, here am I, send me. And uh, we're praying on this Christmas season that you're saying, like Isaiah, when he saw the Lord, and he was touched, and he knew he was from un, he was unclean. His life was not measuring up to what it should be. But he said, "Here am I, Lord. Here am I. I'm ready. I'm praying that you're ready for God to use you this Christmas season. Speak a word of encouragement to someone. There, there may be a a widow that's this is their first Christmas without uh, their their spouse and. They, they've been married for 60 years, and now life is completely changed for them. It may be a young uh, lady whose husband was taken out early, or it may be a fatherless child, an orphan. It could be any of these that you could really make a difference in their life. I pray that you would on this Christmas season. Jesus has made a difference in my life. He's made a difference in Alex's life, Devin's life. Jesus is the reason for the season. And so, Alex, when you come to Isaiah, uh, I, I think, uh, you know, we, Isaiah celebrated Christmas early. Let's let me say it that way, you know? <laughs> yes. And, and let me read this one from uh, Isaiah 40. I, I know both of us want to get to Isaiah 53, but this is just, we don't have to spend a lot of time here, but this is beautiful. And it's chapter 40, verses 3, 4, and 5. It says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Alex, uh, the glory of the Lord... That's exactly when I think about John, it says in John 1, 14, and we beheld his glory, glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, none mm. other than Jesus Christ. No one else is there. Oh, that's right. That's amazing. And, uh, you know, there, there's so much. I know you, um, you quote Isaiah 40. Uh, you know, Jesus quotes Isaiah a lot of times and you know when John the Baptist was in prison and uh, you know John the Baptist seemed to have a, a kind of faith crisis almost a little bit and he sent his disciples to ask Jesus are you the one who is to come or should we expect another 
And this is in Matthew 11. Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. And Jesus quotes Isaiah 35, 5 and 6. The eyes of the blind will be opened. The ears of the deaf will be unstopped. The lame will leap like a deer. The mute tongue will shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness, streams in the desert. The good news is proclaimed to the poor. And then in Matthew eleven six, Jesus said, Blessed is anyone who is not offended or does not stumble because of me. But you know what's amazing is that Jesus at least... 15 times and maybe more, Jesus quotes Isaiah in reference to himself. That, in other words, you know, all that grand prophet referenced, it it, it was pointing to me, you know, and even he legitimized his cleansing of the temple and the overturning of the tables by quoting Isaiah 56. And so there... You know, there's a whole lot more to say, but on this Christmas bird, I want to commend you as we look at Christmas, and there's countless biblical ways to understand Christmas, but to choose Isaiah to do this, you know, that that was a good call, brother. Well, let me just say this. I uh, it, it gets iron in my blood. You were talking about <clears throat> Dr. Stoner and the percentage of, of these coming true. That played a very big impact in my life. Uh, I know, Alex, you have said since you've trusted Christ, you've just gone, uh, no doubts or anything. I wished I could say that, but there was two or three times in my life that I would call it a crisis of faith when I'd say, can this really be true? I knew Jesus had come into my life and changed my life, but could, could all the scriptures, all of them be true? And really... And I, I, this is the main thing that put, I'm talking about spiritual iron in my blood that gave me what I know today and why I'm so definite preaching the Word of God without question and knowing that it is true. When I saw all the prophecies in the Old Testament that pertain to Jesus, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ministry, in every one, more than just eight, there's approximately close to 360 prophecies in all the Old Testament pointing toward Jesus Christ and his life here upon earth. Every one of those has come true. Not a one of them went unkept. Now, that happening with man trying to do that, especially when we're talking about different authors, we're talking about a time frame that is hundreds years apart and then over several years of it being written in the in the gospels we're not talking about okay uh, mark did his this year the next year they did this one this one we're talking about a few years not a lot not like it is in the old testament but they're not there and they didn't necessarily have the one to look at before they started writing the other. In other words, uh, uh, Matthew, Mark, and and Luke and John written separately, and mm-hmm. and so and they come and they share the truths that took place in the prophecies in the Old Testament. That put iron in my blood, Alex, and I came away as a, as a young man, as about a 19, 20 year old man, saying, "This is the word of God." I can depend on it anywhere, anytime, whether it's talking about science, whether it's talking about geography, whether it's talking about history, a prophecy. 
I bank my life on it. And I, mm. I just want to assure those who are listening today, there is no more sure word than the Bible. There is none. It is sure, and you can depend on it. And that's why we go through the book of Isaiah looking at these prophecies concerning Christ. We're just going over a few. The whole book's filled with more than we could ever dream about doing in one hour, Alex. Oh, I know. Well, I mean, you know, there's so much. And uh, uh, I I do want us to talk about Isaiah 53. But, you know, even Isaiah 8 talks about um, Emmanuel sweeping and filling the land of Judah. Emmanuel means God with us. Judah means praise praise of God. Um, and, you know, Bert, there, there are the scriptures that we know, and there's some things that are just clear as can be. And then there are other things that we read and we pray and we dig and we come across some things. I think there are nuggets of gold in, in the, the mine of scripture that we probably won't even <laughs> dig out till we sit down in the new Jerusalem. And uh, remember John 539, though, Jesus said, search the scriptures for they testify of me. Um, it, it is the greatest story ever told. And, you know, I've been very blessed that, um, and, and listen, I'm giving God the praise. I, I've never doubted the Bible. I really haven't. And it's, it's the Lord. It's not me. Um, but I just, I just, as a young person, I thought, you know, if God exists, he would not lie. And if God exists, he has the power to preserve a message. You know, if he, if he can look over, you know, the hundred trillion copies of my DNA and all the other billions of people alive, too. I figure he can keep a few hundred thousand words on paper. <laughs> Amen. Alex, you was talking about being in heaven. Can you imagine, just like the two men on the road to Emmaus after Jesus had, had been crucified and they left early on, the, on that Sunday morning, uh, they had heard that he, he was risen, but they hadn't seen him, and they wasn't sure— but as they were making their road to Emmaus, Jesus joins them, and uh, they go to their house, and uh, he just starts opening up the Scriptures to show them things in the Scriptures, Old Testament, about himself that they had ne- never heard. They said, oh, that's about you? Oh, that's about you? Can you imagine us being in heaven and sitting mm-hmm. at his feet, and, and you and I say, oh, man, I never saw that. That's Jesus. That's that's." I don't know about you, but uh, when I get, I think about heaven. That's one of the things I'm really, really hoping will happen. I, I wanna, I wanna see everything that the Bible had to offer that I missed, Alex. Oh wow. Well, you know, there, there's a lot that no doubt we do miss because there's some things that just only the Lord knows. But don't miss salvation, putting your faith in Jesus and knowing Christ, uh, Bert. Uh, one of the great songs that we sing at this time of year, I hope you sing it in your churches, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And I mean, it references Isaiah, uh, O Come, Thou Rod of Jesse, free thine own from Satan's tyranny. From depths of hell thy people save and give them victory o'er the grave. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Now, Emmanuel means God with us. Uh, Isaiah 11 talks about, you know, the rod of Jesse and the branch, and Jesus would come out of Nazareth. It's interesting. The Hebrew rendering of the word branch or shoot is really the same word as Nazareth, and that's yet another 
thing, not only where Jesus lived, but who Jesus is. This branch that, you know, when something sprouts and you don't really expect it, that's that's what it is. I mean, Jesus came at a time, no doubt there was Simeon and Anna. There were some that had a messianic expectation, but at a really unexpected place, maybe at an unforeseen time, the Savior came. And that's why, goodness, from O Holy Night to Joy to the World to Silent Night, O Come Emmanuel, Away in a Manger, the Hallelujah Chorus, the greatest songs that have ever been composed with lyrics drawn straight from the pages of Scripture. What's the subject matter? The coming of Jesus. Amen. Well, let's let's get to Isaiah 53. Let me read just part of it, and we'll see. Oh, these few moments that we have left during this time uh, when we're celebrating Christmas. It says in Isaiah 53, 1, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we're healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We could go ahead, but I did want to get to verse 10. It says, Mm -hmm. yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed and he shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Mm -hmm. Alex, none other than Jesus. And he fulfilled all of those. And he's that root out of dry ground, isn't he? He is. He is. You know, um, by the way, it asks the question, Isaiah 53 begins, uh, who has believed our report or our message? You know, the, the, the thing that we're telling you, have you believed it? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? A-R-M. The, the Hebrew word there really you know, the shoulder, or it really means the strength or the force of the Lord or the power of the Lord. See, here's the thing. The message of the Lord is being revealed to you. Jesus loves you. Christ died for you. The force, the arm of the Lord. Now, Bert, in relation to Christmas, what is the arm of the Lord? Well, that without ceasing to be God, the Almighty could become a baby. (laughs) Now, that is power. All right, heaven continued, the solar system revolved, the elements hung together, and yet God, this is amazing. You know, the old poem, it says um, that on the cross, I mean, Jesus was suffering, bleeding, dying, and yet he held the worlds together as he expired to pay our sin debt. That's the arm of the Lord, the power of the Lord. Have you believed it? We wish you a Merry Christmas. Alex and I say thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of the AFR family. Uh, We just want you to have the best Christmas that you could have. And you have that through that relationship 
with Jesus Christ. Trust him. Trust him today. Alex, thank you, brother, for sharing with us on this day about Jesus in the book of Isaiah. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas, my dear brother Bert and Devin and all the listeners. We love you. More importantly, God loves you. Merry Christmas to one and all.